We've been in this series. I've enjoyed this. Kind of the new year. We started the new year off this way and started talking about new commitments. Not New Year's resolutions, but just new commitments. You're always making new commitments somewhere. And so we talked about how to do that, the new commitments that we make. But then also there's this thing of finishing through on our commitments, right? That's the tough part sometimes. How do you make a commitment and then see it through? What do you do to keep working those out? And last Sunday, I was encouraged by this. This was a lot of fun. Jared Guerin, um, one of the pastors here at Crestview, um, he was the one preaching last Sunday, and he brought his dad in. And his dad lives in Wichita, so it was a really unique, cool time for Jared to be up here with his dad. And I think his dad got as much out of that and enjoyed that as much as anybody else. So if you missed that, I'd love for you to find out what they talked about and to watch that. You can see that online. So today, then... We're talking about then how to make a new life on that. It, I know we've made new commitments. We've tried to follow through on those, but a new life. Then when you get into it, how do you start fresh, even with the life that you have? The old, worn-out you, the, the, the you that's made tons of mistakes. How do you continue to get new life in this? Well, when Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he wrote them two letters. The, this little church in a town called Corinth, um, he wrote them in their second letter. He talks about this. Chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Now, that verse... Paul wasn't around when Jesus, well, he was around, but he wasn't a follower of Jesus when Jesus was alive. He became a follower of Christ after Christ died on the cross and resurrected. Then Paul became a follower of Jesus. So he wouldn't have heard this directly from Jesus. I believe that he probably got this teaching somewhere else. I believe he got this teaching from a guy by the name of John. Um, John, who would have been following Jesus, who was really close to Jesus, who might have been there when this story happened, or at least heard it several times from Jesus. I believe that Jesus may have told this story. John was listening. John wrote this story down, and it's one of my favorites. Um, as a pastor, as a preacher, I'm required to say that this one is one of my favorites. We all have to say that. We sign a contract that says this is our favorite passage in all the Bible. No, I'm joking. It's, it is, though. It's an amazing passage in Scripture that we're going to unpack today and look at. And I believe that when Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, he was talking about this passage that John taught us about. So if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, I hope you brought one. If you don't and you want like one you can hold, there's one on either side of the room. Feel free, jump up, go grab one. But if you have your phones, I'd encourage you to get your phones out. Get your Bible app open. Um, find that Bible app. Um, download that. And if you go to events um, in their um, categories, go, go to the events, find the events category in that, and you'll find Crestview. And Crestview, every week we do this. We put up the verses that we're preaching from that we're using. So even if you're not here, you can find that, and you can see what we're talking about um, every Sunday morning. And you can see it. You, we'll put all the verses that we're going to use. It'll be in there, and you can follow along. We've got some extra things in that. So you can use the Bible app to see what's going on here. So John chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Um, great story about Jesus and this guy by the name of Nicodemus. So John chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we're just going to walk through it verse by verse and kind of see what we can understand with how we start a new life. It says this, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So let's stop there and see what is happening as we get into the story. There was this guy, we know his name was Nicodemus. It says just one man, he was a Pharisee. 
Now, some of you might understand that and know that. Yeah, I know all about the Pharisees. I know what they did. I know what they're about. Many of you are probably thinking, I've heard that word before, but I'm really not sure what it means. I'm really not sure the understanding of that. So to break that down and give you um, some basic understanding from my point of view, what is a Pharisee? The simplest that I can do is this. A Pharisee was a professional Christian. That's the kind of what they were. They were professionals at this. They were really, really good at the law of the Old Testament. During this time, that's what they followed. They were professional Christians. Um, they were really good. Now, Pharisees often get a bad rap, um, especially today. We don't talk about the Pharisees in very good terms, but back then, it would have been a good thing. If you were trying to be a Pharisee, that was, that was a good thing because you were trying your best to obey the rules, all the laws of the Old Testament. And that's what the Pharisees did. However, this is where they got into trouble. And this is why sometimes we, we don't have the best light of them. Because they would do their best to follow all the laws, and they wanted you to follow all the laws as well. So oftentimes what they would do, and their intentions were good, they would make laws in order to help you follow the laws. So they would add to the laws... To get, and, and we all know, you know this as well, we, we all know this, that nobody's perfect and you can't follow all the laws. So what would happen is they would create new laws to try and follow the laws that they had in place and we can't do it, so eventually they would, would be called hypocrites. It's kind of what happens with us when we, we push that too far. And they wanted everyone to do this, so this is an easy way to see it. They would follow the laws, they wanted everyone to do it, so they'd make new laws and everyone, had, they wanted it to be fair. You see? Get it? Okay, it helps you remember, maybe. It will help you remember who the Pharisees were. The, the crazy part about the Pharisees, though, is they were going so far in this law, and then along comes this guy named Jesus. And Jesus is teaching that it's not all about the laws, it's about a relationship. And so some of the laws, Jesus was coming, and he wasn't following all of those or helping teach those. So they were upset that Jesus wasn't doing everything that the Old Testament said just by that, because Jesus was creating a new covenant and new laws for them to follow. And it had more to do with the relationship than a bunch of rules. And so Jesus and the Pharisees really didn't get along very well. And many times they would clash. They would butt heads and things weren't going good with them together. But it also says this, Nicodemus wasn't just a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews. So he was one of the top Pharisees. He was one of the leaders of the Pharisees which made it even worse in this. However, something happened between Nicodemus and Jesus. They created this bond. They had this relationship. In fact, later on, after Jesus died on the cross, Nicodemus was the one that stepped forward and said, hey, can I have his body? Can I do something with this? The, the disciples, they weren't willing to step and, and do that because they were afraid they were going to be killed. But because of his position, he knew that he could get away with that. So at some level, they had built a relationship. And I wonder if it's because of this conversation that they had right here. Let's look at verse 2. It said, This man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Really cool thing, but let's, let's look at this verse. It says that he came by night. What do you do at night? What do you try and do? You, you do things at night that you want to get away with, <laughs> that you're afraid to get caught doing. You don't want anyone else to know, so you do things in the cover of night so that no one else sees you 
and it remains a secret. He didn't want anyone to know that he had been meeting with, that he is going to meet with Jesus. It was just kind of in the... Now, I've heard there's a spiritual side of this and that we can make a spiritual connection with it. And, and I think that's true. And we're going to try and make that connection here in a little bit, the spiritual and the physical world. But when I read at least that one, um, I'm pretty simplistic in my beliefs and my thoughts sometimes. And what I believe in this is that he met with Jesus when the sun was not shining. <laughs> It was at night. Um, that was it. Now, now, we can take it a little bit further. And yes, I think there's some good spiritual connection with that. And to say oftentimes we go to Jesus when it's the darkest in our lives. Oftentimes we go to Jesus when, when it's really a dark, deep place in our lives. That's when we want to go to him and we need to be with him. And that's when we seek him out. Um, and that's an important piece of that. Absolutely, I think we can make all those connections and it wouldn't be bad. But I also notice this. He came to Jesus He wasn't waiting for Jesus to come to him. He was seeking Jesus out. There was something special in that. He sought Jesus out. When do you seek Jesus out? Oftentimes it's at night, right? It's when it's the darkest for you. And we go to him looking for something. And I get this. He comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi. He gives him a title. He knows that there's something special about this guy. He's not just a regular old Joe. He's not just a carpenter. He's educated. He knows what he's doing. They have seen him do some miracles, because that's, that's mentioned in this. They understand that there's something special about this guy, and he treats him with respect, and he calls him rabbi to begin with. But I also notice this, the very next word, rabbi, comma, we. We, we who? As far as I can tell so far, Nicodemus has been by himself. There's no one else with him. But maybe there was. We just don't know. They just didn't write about it. Maybe there were a couple guys with him. Maybe he had a mouse in his pocket. I, I don't know what was going on during this scene to say we. But what I do understand is that Nicodemus was speaking on the behalf of or coming on behalf of more than himself. There were others that wanted to know what he was going to learn. Someone else was a part of this with him. And he says, we, right? Maybe, maybe he lost a bet. <laughs> nope, you have to go. You drew the short straw. Maybe he won the bet. Maybe he drew the long straw, you know? Oh, man, you get to go see Jesus. And they all wanted to. Um, what, whatever the case was, maybe he was the bravest. Maybe he was the most educated for the question that was going to come. And he, they all knew that Nicodemus could hold his own with a guy like Jesus. Or maybe, just maybe, he just wanted that relationship. He just wanted to seek Jesus out. He just wanted to build that. Even in the darkness, he was going for that. And he says to him, we know you're from God. No one can do what you do unless you're from God. And verse 3, this is a funny part to me. And Jesus answered him. Okay, hold on, right? Stop there before you go any further. Jesus an- answered him. An- I look back in verses 1 and 2, and I don't see a question mark. There, there was no question up to this point. But yet Jesus was getting ready to answer him. Have you ever had that conversation with Jesus? You don't know what to say. You're not sure where you're going with this. You're not sure where you're going to end up. 
You don't even know what the question might be that you have for Jesus, and you're just spilling your guts. You're just letting your heart overflow. You're just frustrated, angry, upset, happy, sad, whatever it is, you're just having this talk with Jesus. You're not even sure how you're going to get to where you need to go. And Jesus has an answer for you. And you're thinking, I didn't even know there was a question, but thank you for the answer, Jesus. He's good at that, isn't he? That's just like Jesus to do that. For us not even to know what we need, but for him to already have the answer. And so Jesus answers him. Truly, truly. Now, sometimes we get confused in this. The, the literal translation of that is amen, amen. It, it'd be like if we were at a Baptist church, okay? Um, and, and you agreed with something I said. This doesn't happen very often here at Crestview. Um, but you agree with something that I say, and oftentimes somebody will say, Amen. Thank you. Right. That's what we need. This is what Jesus is doing with him right here. He says, amen, or yes, yes. Dude, you're right on track. You're, you're following just right. You have said it exactly right. No one can do these signs unless God is with them. Yes, yes. Nicodemus, you're getting it. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus went, what? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. How can that be? That that just, that doesn't make any sense to me. That how can one be born again? And he's thinking literal. He's thinking completely in the physical world. Not spiritual at all. He can't see the kingdom, which Jesus is telling him right there. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. He can't see the spiritual life, the spiritual side of it, because he hasn't been born again yet. He hasn't brought the physical and the spiritual together yet. And like you, like me, hopefully we would come back. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born Again, he's only thinking physically. And when Jesus says this, physically, it does not add up. Physically, this does not make sense. There's something missing to this. So now Jesus answers him because there was the question that was there. Jesus answered, truly, truly, yes, yes, amen, amen. You're you're following me here. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sounds, but you don't don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. I love that Jesus does this, that, that he puts this in here, and I think he does it for guys just like me. Because I'm a processor, I'm a thinker, I overthink everything. I like to know um, every step that I'm going to take to the finish line before I take the first step. So I process everything and I want to understand everything before I even get off go. And I hear Jesus, what he's saying overall in this is don't overthink it, dude. (laughs) Don't overthink it. Don't marvel at this. this. This is a mystery. At the same time, this is not a mystery. Um, it's just something that's there. And both the physical 
and the spiritual, the wind. We can see the effects of it. We know how to handle the effects of it. But does anyone know where it comes from? Does anybody know where it goes? We'll never know that. Science will never be able to answer that question for us. Maybe around it, what to do with it, but where it comes from and where it goes, it's just something beyond what we're going to comprehend. Same with this spiritual life and how the spiritual life interacts with our physical life. There's just something about the spiritualness of God that I may never understand. And that's where faith comes in. I just have to say, okay, then I trust and I believe and I'm going to take the next step with you. Then I'm just going to go here with you. And what Jesus is saying is that these two things have to come together, the spiritual and the physical. Now, some scholars will read this, and there's arguments out there that this passage is direct. It's a direct understanding of baptism. That what Jesus is teaching with Nicodemus here, he's speaking specifically about baptism, and this is a passage we need to teach when we're teaching about baptism. There's other scholars that are out there that say, no, it's really not. It doesn't, it's not baptism that's a part of this. And I'm up here to say, yeah, okay, either one. Here's where I go with it. It's the physical world and our spiritual life coming together. This is Jesus saying, we are all born physically. I'm looking at all of you. All of you have been born physically. And here's the deal. None of you chose that. It was not your choice to be born physically. However, there's another side of us, and it's the spiritual life. The spiritual life is what's going to live on forever. You do have a choice in your spiritual life. You do have that option. What are you going to do with your spiritual life? Are you going to be born spiritually Or are you never going to be born spiritually? And what Jesus says is you've been born physically and you've got this option to be reborn in a spiritual life and bring these two things together. And every time in the New Testament that we read about somebody that has come to an understanding of their spiritual life and they have married the two, the physical and the spiritual, when they come together, they were baptized. It was a cleansing It was a newness of life. There was a new life that came into them and they were forgiven of their sins and they were cleansed spiritually with their physical life and together then their physical and their spiritual came together beyond what I can understand. In fact, Nicodemus struggled with it as well. In verse nine, he said, how can these things be? (laughs) Absolutely, it's a confusing thing. And Jesus answered him, Aren't you the teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Here's how I get this. This is going down. These two men standing there, and Nicodemus is going, listening to Jesus, and Jesus says what he says, and Nicodemus says, right? It just blew my mind, dude. I don't get it. I don't understand the physical. How do we be born again? And you're talking this way, and how does that happen? He just says, I don't get it. And Jesus now looks at this teacher of the Jews, a leader of the Pharisees, and he says, I don't understand how you don't understand it. You're blowing my mind. Of all the people, you should get this. How come you don't understand it? You're a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things. So Jesus tries to give him just a little bit more. Amen, amen. Yes, yes. Truly, truly. Verse 11. I say to you, we speak 
of what we know, and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you did not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And so Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. See, I get this, right? We, we love to speak about things that we think we know about, right? Sports, um, how the teams should play, what, what calls they should make, um, what they should do. We love to talk about politics when we really don't know much about it and what, what we believe everybody else should do. And follow. we love to talk about religion in times when we're really not sure, but we just love to give our opinion or post about it um, online. But man, when we have an experience... Now I'm an expert. <laughs> now I'm an expert at all of those things because I've experienced that. I'm good at And Jesus is walking through this. When we talk about this, you hear, and Jesus is saying, look, I've been here physically. You've seen me do some miracles. You've seen me teach. And you're questioning even that at times. But yet when I teach you about spiritual things, and get this, I'm the son of God. I actually came from heaven to be with you. Of all the people that you should listen to spiritually, I'm your guy. Listen to what I have to say to you. Understand this the best that you can. Then he goes into this backstory. And John does this. John does this throughout his whole gospel. Um, it's, a, it's a thing where he does this um, double meaning kind of thing. A double meaning where he'll give an illustration of something that's happened, but his meaning really, and every time he does this, his meaning is all about Jesus it's all about lifting up Jesus, making sure that all you know about, it's not about John, it's not about Nicodemus, it's not about the story, it's always about Jesus. So he tells a story, and Nicodemus would understand it. Back in Numbers, there's this one little story, it's only a few verses long, where God told Moses to take this carving of a serpent, lift it up on a stick, and everyone that had been sick that looks at that serpent would be healed. It's a strange story. It only happens once. It's not something that it's not common for God to do. It happened that one time. And John brings us back up that Jesus told this to Nicodemus. Why? Because Nicodemus would get it. He knew about the story. He understood it. But his meaning was that just like that, Jesus is going to be lifted up on the cross and all eyes should point to him. Everything that we do should point to Jesus that's where we get our new life from. So then we get to this verse. Most famous verse in all of scripture. Even if you're not a believer, you've probably heard this one before. Somewhere along in your life, someone has said it. You may have heard this. John chapter three, verse 16. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever stopped and really looked at that verse? The very first word, for. Who begins sentences with for, right? If, you, if you're knowledgeable about English at all, when you hear the word for at the beginning of a sentence, you've got to go before that for to understand what they're meaning. And so you can't read ahead, you've actually got to read backwards. So when you hear John 3, 16, you actually have to look at John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15 to understand what he's saying in this verse. So, so in the future, whenever you hear somebody quote John three sixteen, I want you to remember the story of Nicodemus 
and verses one through 15 and this whole crazy conversation about being reborn and being born again in the spiritual life and the physical life coming together and what Jesus is trying to teach us for what was said before this. For God, look, Nicodemus, the law that you're trying to follow, God is bigger than that law. God wrote that law. God is more important than the law that you're trying to follow. God is the one we're focused on here. And God loves you. For God loved. He's not trying to coerce you. He's not trying to manipulate you into believing him. He is doing this because of his overflowing heart and his love for who you are. For God loved the world. To Nicodemus, this would have been big because he thought it was just the Jews. He thought the Pharisees, the ones who obeyed the law, that's who this was all for. And Jesus is telling that God is for the whole world, everyone. And God gave. Again, for Nicodemus, this would have been mind-blowing because he's been obeying the law. He's been working hard to obey the law. And by obeying the law is where you get your freedom, where you get your salvation from. So when he hears that God gave, that it was a gift, it's not something that you can earn, that you can do, get there by obeying the law. This is a big conversation. This is a big sentence for him. It was a gift from God. And he gave him what? His son, part of God. God comes to us. God, part of God is now here with us. And that's what is that part of himself. And whoever believes, whoever puts their trust in, whoever says, I'll accept that, makes that spiritual connection with the physical world and puts his spiritual trust in it, they won't perish, meaning they won't be separated from God. That's what perish means. God is life. And when you're separated from God, you don't have life and that's death, eternity in death. But have, as you really break this sentence down, look at it, it's perfect tense. It's not future tense in the sentence, it's perfect tense, meaning you don't have to wait until you die to receive eternal life. Your eternal life begins now. Your, your spiritual life and your physical life, when they come together, you get to begin eternity right now. Don't wait till you're dead to experience eternal life. Start it right now. It's but have, perfect tense, eternal life, meaning a connection with God. You get to start your relationship with God today and it can continue forever. In verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Guys, it's a simple gospel. It's a simple gospel gospel. It's easy for us, I think, to overcomplicate it. It's easy for us to overthink it too much. So for those of you that have not believed, that haven't taken that step to, to make that public declaration, to say, I believe in this. If, you, if you've only said it in your heart, but you've never taken that step to say it publicly, hey, here's your, here's your chance. You need to be born again spiritually. Bring your physical world and your spiritual world together. And we often go back here from Crestview, we go back to Peter's confession. When Peter was asked who Jesus was, Peter said, Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. There's your confession. That's the spiritual connection that we make in our physical world. If you have done that, if that's something that you have done, but you've never made it public, if you've done it in your heart, you've never taken that step to make it public, to bring your physical, your spiritual together 
then baptism is a part of it, a spiritual cleansing. And to say, then I'm going to start living my physical life the way my spiritual life lines up. And in fact, if you don't know, right behind these curtains behind me, we have a baptistry. And it's, it's full and it's warm. Um, we have the heater on. I'm ready. Today, if you want to do that, I would love to pray with you. I'd love to teach you about that, and we can make that happen. If that's something you want to learn more about, then, then let's walk that together. I'd love for you to bring these things together. What about the rest of you? You say, I've done it. I've been there. I've done this. I've done that. Yeah, I can show you the date. I got a certificate. You know, I've done this, but I've messed up since. How do, how do I get a new life in this old life? This old, worn out, messed up, made mistakes over and over again. How does that work? And that's the beauty of God. Every single day, he wants to do something new with you. And what God did with you yesterday was good, but what God wants to do with you today is even better. And what God wants to do with you tomorrow goes even beyond that. But you got to keep walking with him in that. You got to keep searching out those new things and don't get caught in the slow lane or don't get caught going the other direction. Keep walking forward with him. Keep taking that next step. Keep looking for the freshness and the newness that God has for you. He's doing new things every day in this world. And it's so cool when we get to see that and when we get to be a part of it. Sometimes you're running with him and sometimes you're just taking a little step. Either way, keep moving ahead with him and look for the freshness and the newness that God has for you. Even if you've made mistakes, even if you've messed up, trust and believe that God cares and he's got something fresh and new out there for you to keep walking into. So let me do this. I want to pray for you. I'm going to close up my time here with some prayer. I want you, wherever you're at in that, if it's a first-time decision, if you've made the decision but you haven't taken that step, or you have but you feel like you're going the wrong direction or you haven't moved in a while, what is it? Where are you at? Where do you need to see it? Would you pray with me? Father, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your son, for the teaching that we got from him for this conversation that he had with this guy named Nicodemus. (laughs) I'm even grateful that Nicodemus didn't understand it completely and he had some questions back because it helps us understand even more. Helps me to realize that I'm not going to get it all. But I just need to have that faith and that trust to keep following you. God, I pray for everyone that's been here at Crestview this morning that if you're tugging at their heart and they haven't taken that first step, that you give them the courage and the information that they need in order to to move forward with you, to put their faith and their trust in you. God, I lift them up and ask that you make that something that they can grab hold of and keep walking closer to you. God, make them move even this morning. God, then for those that... They've made that decision, and maybe they've just made it in their heart, but they haven't done anything physically. They haven't brought their spiritual life and their physical life together and made that one. I pray that you move in their hearts as well and say, I I need to be a part of that. I need to do that. And if that's what Jesus is teaching, then I want to follow him. 
And I pray that, that you stir in their hearts to take that step physically and make a public confession of who you are, to follow that through with baptism. And God, help us walk that together as we go through. And then for those of us that have, maybe we've done that, but yet we feel like we're moving backwards or we're at a standstill. God, bring something fresh to us today, a newness in our hearts and in our lives that will show us how amazing you are and that our future has hope and that you're going to do some amazing things in us and with us if we continue to trust in you and move forward, seeing a new life with you. God, be with us, encourage us, and lead us there. And we're grateful for your son, in whose name we pray. Amen. As the band comes back up, this is my challenge then to you. Do something. (laughs) Move on this story. Do something with what you heard this morning. And maybe it is just taking that first step. Maybe it is just saying, I, I, I get it. I, I, I don't get it, but I want to follow, right? Do something with this story and make that step spiritually. And if you haven't done the baptism thing, bring these two lives together and make that, make that happen. And if you have, come on. Uh, me too. Um, I'm in it with you. Let's just keep walking this new life every single day, looking for the newness of God and what he's going to do with us. If you would, let's stand together and continue in our service.